Hello, welcome to the Garf Network. I am Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight we've got a very full house, uh, a lot of very special guests on board for our night 90 uh, 30th anniversary <laughs> celebration. So uh, let's uh, let's introduce everyone we have on board. Uh, Matt, you want to get rolling with this? Sure. Uh, first, we will start with Dirk Ashton. He was the truck zombie that Tony Todd plows over coming into the film. Dirk, welcome. Good to be here. Thanks. And next to Dirk is Mr. Bill Mosley, who needs no introduction. He played Johnny in the film. Hey, Bill. Hey. And topping off the top row is Mr. John Russo. John, welcome tonight. Thank you. Okay. On the bottom row, we have Mr. Russ Dreiner, producer. Howdy, howdy. Russ. We have Ms. William Butler. Do you, do you prefer William or Bill? Yeah, uh, William. Uh, Bill is fine. Yeah. Play, to- <laughs> Play Tom. <laughs> we have Patricia Tallman. Hey, everybody. All right. All right. I'm sorry to screw up the order. I've added Tom Savini to the stream on the bottom left here. <laughs> Director. Yeah. And FX, on effects, we have Mr. Everett Burrell on the bottom right. How is everybody doing tonight? Very good. All right. Good. Good deal. And, you know, 30 years out from uh, from Night 90's debut, and I just kind of wanted to roll this out to everybody. I mean, everybody was at that point was at different stages of their career. I'm just curious, you know, from and we'll we'll start with Tom and kind of go around. I guess we'll go counterclockwise and go to Russ. But I mean, at, at that point in time with you know, trying to recreate a legendary or, you know, a historic film. What were your ambitions at that particular point in time in your career? Oh, oh, oh. oh no. Well, there goes that. We're going to start with Russ then. <laughs> he did not like that question. Yeah, you asked the wrong question. Tom went away, did he? That's it tonight. Well, I think well first of all, he looks like he's cave that Marlon Brando was in in Apocalypse Now. Maybe he's not getting a strong signal. <laughs> <laughs> I think for uh, speaking on behalf of the original Night of the Living Dead crew, uh, it was a pretty exciting time. Uh, to uh, There was obviously some controversy about should this film be made at all. We felt that it should. Uh, and we can get into some of the details later on. Uh, and I think it was a, a special time for George, who wanted to uh, give his longtime friend, Tom Savini, a chance to uh, enter the directing world uh, by directing the remake. Obviously, it would have not been a good idea for George to attempt to uh, direct it. Uh, for a whole lot of obvious reasons, and uh, Tom was chosen, and uh, and then this wonderful team was put together. And uh, I, it, my feeling is that even though it was always compared to the original film, I personally like this version. I think that it uh, it, it paid justice to all of the characters. 
and uh, I was always highly entertained by it. I was a little bit sorry that it lived in the shadow of the original Night of the Living Dead. Tom, how's your signal right now? Uh oh. Mm. Did mm. he lock up again? Yeah, oh. we better we better go with William. Huh? Hey. What was your question? Oh, uh, just you know, that particular, you know, you were coming on to uh, the night remake at that point in your career. What was your ambitions and, you know, with the project? Well, well uh, Johnny Vulich and I, who, you know, John worked alongside Everett, you know, they did the zombies. Uh, since we were 16 years old, we were massive Tom Savini fans. So uh, when I found out I, I had the, the, you know, the opportunity to audition I was actually terrified because I was a huge fan of Tom's and by then I was becoming you know the uh, the Mickey Rooney of horror and I was sort of the boy, boy next door boy next door in a lot of horror films so I didn't know if I was going to get another whack at it by that at that point but I was so happy that I did I was such a fan of everyone involved and George and Russ and everyone Tom John everyone it's thrilled to even be on set with Everett and Johnny, you know, since Johnny and I had grown up and watching Everett and Johnny, you know, design the zombies before we even left was just, it was ama- It was just an amazing time. I'm really happy. Yeah. And how about you, Patricia? You had worked with, with George before. Uh, yeah. In, in, uh, in 1980, I did a film called Night Riders which was my first time in front of a camera. I was fresh out of, out of school. And I were, I was in school with Tom Zavini was one of our um, teachers. So um, that, that just set me up for uh, 1990 to, to, uh, to, to work with everybody. Uh, I knew a bunch of the crew by then. It was, it was such a remarkable experience, one that is never repeated for me, not like that, you know. And um, just George was so, so kind and supporting. And Tom was the perfect compliment as a director to support us. And he loved actors and he really just made us all feel like rock stars. And we just had, what an incredible set that to put together the, the crew, Everett and John, and then, uh, and everybody behind the scenes, as well as all the actors in front, we, it, it was just such a great vibe. You know, we, we just, it, that's really hard to do to, you put, you do the best you can, but when you actually have that chemistry and everyone gets along and has a, you know, and then the film is a success. It's just like, wow, that's winning the lottery right there. <clears throat> Mm. How about you, Everett? Um, you know, it was an amazing honor when Tom asked John and I to do some test makeups uh, back in the, uh, the 8990 in my garage in Granada Hills. And uh, those <laughs> makeups, <laughs> those makeups sort of set the tone of, uh, you know, what we were trying to do with the film. And we were, you know, the, the zombies were. Your neighbors next door—they they weren't completely rotted. They—they they had just begun the the sort of zombie plague, so it was a really big challenge. And Tom had some sort of mission statements about these dead eyes that we had to sort of invent this sort of dead eye zombie look. 
which I really love that challenge. I love making Tom happy. You know, both John and I looked at Tom as a, as a father figure, and we wanted his respect uh, dearly because uh, we respected him a lot. So it was a big challenge to live up to, to our dad, so to speak. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Patty speaks to the camaraderie. We had a blast. We brought a lot of our friends along the way. Um, I know John recommended Billy. Uh, Tom and John love Bill Mosley. Uh, Patty, part of the family. And I brought Tommy Tolls from the bar order. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't either. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and wow. uh, you know, love, it, love or hate Tommy, I thought he was great in the role. So, oh, my, my God. I love I, it. I miss all of our dear departed friends who are not yeah. here to talk. But uh, yeah. uh, we had a blast. But it was a challenge to make Tom happy and, and to live up to the original and, and to try to create something new. How about you, try, John? I'm going to try and add to Tom again real quick. Well, um, I, first, I met Tony Todd when he first came on to the, to the location. And the funny thing is, he had just been in this really awful movie that I wrote the original script for. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Voodoo Dawn. And there was a an evil witch doctor in it. I mean, it's a modern tale, but... Uh, and, and I was asked to write this script, and uh, they, Bedford Entertainment bought it, and they loved it, and I turned it into a novel. And then they kept changing their minds about what kind of film they wanted, and so they kept hiring one writer after another, and they ended up ha- hiring five writers, and they made a total gloopy mess out of the movie. <laughs> And I mean, it's it's one of the most awful movies ever made. The, the thing that I first wrote actually should be made now. Another funny thing about it, this witch doctor was called Chango, which later, as everybody knows, Quentin Tarantino made a movie called Chango. So I don't know. Uh, uh, the, the, Matt, the, um... Tom is saying like that. that it's telling him that the room is too full. Oh, we can see. Oh, oh. <laughs> really? Here, let's let me remove this, Tom. I, I was going to say some one thing I remember <laughs> about Tom since he's not here to say anything. <laughs> uh, and I just got done. I, well, I mean, it was it was on the first day too, and you know, any time the camera rolls on any kind of film, there's electricity in the air. It's so tough to get things financed, financed and green, green-lighted and so on. And when it actually happens, it's somewhat of a miracle, and everybody's up, you know, really up for it. And Tom said, uh, we're going to, he says, well, for the next seven weeks, we're going to work our asses off, and it's going to, and we're not going to get any sleep, and we're probably all going to get sick, and it's going to be like being in basic training in the Army. But at the end of it, we're going to have a movie. <laughs> and that's true. That's about how, that's about how, how it is. So we didn't know the hell we were going to go through, <laughs> which uh, most of the hell was, it turned out Russ and I had the main job of keeping the money coming in because 21st century films was on the verge of bankruptcy the whole way. And so a whole lot of our time was spent on the, on the phones 
trying to make sure that they wouldn't just <clears throat> shut the production down. Mm-hmm. So, well, enough of that. I don't want to take Bill Mosley's time here. <laughs> Bill! Yo! Uh, Mosley! Yeah. And Bill, uh, you- yes, uh, yes, happy to be here. And uh, I met uh, Tom Savini on the set of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 uh, because Tom was, of course, the special effects makeup artist for me as Chop Top and Leatherface and you know, poor peeled LG and, uh, you know, every, everybody. And, uh, and, uh, that's how I met, uh, John Vulich as well. Uh, and we called, uh, the makeup department, uh, I, I called it, uh, the house of pain. I was there a lot. And, uh, after the movie, you know, I, I became great friends with Tom and I still have pictures of his, uh, daughter lying on a bunch of rubber bodies that he had in the makeup shop. And, uh, you know, she was, you know, like, four or five. Um, and anyway, uh, Tom wanted me to uh, be a part of this. And I remember him sending me a script back in the days when you actually had to put a script in the mail and uh, I guess pre-internet. And uh, I remember uh, him saying to me, um, read the script and, and pick any parts you want. And I went, uh, great, great. So I got the script and I read it and I wanted to play Harry, you know, the, uh, the late great Tommy Tolles, uh, the guy in the basement. And uh, because that had more pages, and I figured that was going to you know, <laughs> pay me more as an actor. <laughs> of course, makes sense. You know, makes sure. sense. <laughs> right. Art for art's sake, right? And so uh, <laughs> I'd like to play Harry. And he said, uh, "Pick any part, just make sure it's Johnny." So I was like, oh, <laughs> "Okay." So I went out, and uh, because uh, Russ had done such an amazing job as Johnny. <laughs> um, what I wanted to do was to make sure that I had the Boris Karloff accent down. So I went out and I got, <laughs> I got a movie called Die Monster Die, which was one of Boris Karloff's later last movies. And, uh, and I just watched a videotape of Die Monster Die over and over again until I could finally say, they're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> and, uh, that's, awesome. you know, once I had that down, then I was, I was cool. I was good to go and, uh, ready for, uh, Washington, Pennsylvania and the graveyard. <laughs> so Dirk, how did you, how did you come to be about? Um, I, uh, I had been working on films in, in, uh, well, low budget, low budget stuff, small, small films, but professionally on uh, commercials and industrial films in Columbus, Ohio. And the production company that I worked with used to bring Nick Mistandria over to AD. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these things we worked on. And for several years, we just worked together all the time and drank a lot. And, uh, you know, Nick, you know, um, and you know, Nick, so, we became really good buddies, and then he was like telling us, "Guys, I'm going to get a chance to be in the uh, in the directors' union. I'm going to do the first thing, doing this remake of of Night." And so we didn't see him for a while. I graduated from college, got my master's in film, and went up and was in my dad's office. And there's a phone. The phone rings, and the my dad's secretary says, "Dirk, Tom Savini. A guy named Tom Savini is on the telephone." And I'm like, "Bullshit! There's no way Tom Savini is calling at my dad, calling me at my dad's office." So I thought immediately. I thought Nick's 
up to something. And uh, and sure enough, is this Dirk? This is Dirk. This is Tom Savini. Nikki's been showing me some of those short movies you've been in. I want you to be in my movie. And I'm like, is this really Tom Savini? Yeah, it's Tom Savini. Um, when can you come over? It was literally like that. Two days later, I was at the production, drove from, uh, from Toledo, where I was at that point, to Pennsylvania, to Pittsburgh, went in and, uh, saw Nick and, uh, met Tom and Tom started pointing at all these storyboards up on the wall and said, pick a zombie, any zombie. <laughs> said, which ones are the, which right. ones are the, you guys know what Tom was like then as much as he is now, I'm sure. But, uh, and, uh, so he's like, this one's really cool. Cause a bullet goes through its head. We're going to see a shot through its head. And this one's cool. Cause this happens in this one. And he goes, and this one gets hit by, it comes walking up the road and gets hit by a truck, gets a crowbar stuck through his head. And I said, does that one get to do a stunt? He said, sure does. And I said, I want that one. An hour later, I was at the, at the effects shop and met John and, uh, Everett for a head cast for, for the, uh, for that zombie. And that's when I, when I first met those guys. And then later when I came over for the shoot, we went out one night with everybody and, uh, and we crashed, buddies, buddies came with me. We crashed on Nick's floor that, that whole week, that whole few days that I was there. So that's how I got in. Well, Phil, you mentioned, uh, Washington PA and I was going to mm-hmm. direct this towards Russ and what, what made, and, and then everybody else maybe chime in with your experiences as working in Washington. What, John, what made you, uh, choose Washington? How did you guys choose that as a location? Are you talking to me? Yes, sir. Now, <laughs> uh, Tom. Actually, Tom did because Tom Tom was bent on. Right. He's moving. All right. Cool. Can you hear us now? Yeah, I had to. I had to call my assistant and talk me through Chrome to get through to. Uh, I get it. They yeah. just what, did asked, I, what did I miss? Everything. Well, they just, Tom, they just asked uh, how that farmhouse was chosen in Washington, PA, and I just got done saying, well, actually, you chose it. And I was going to talk about that, but now that you're here, you want, you have, you're the one that chose it. Well, you can read all about it in my new book, <laughs> Night of the Living Dead 90, which is the storyboards with comments and descriptions. It's basically a comic book of the movie I wanted to make. I have well, one funny, funny have you one. should say that, because I also, I also have a book that's, that's half finished now, but I might have to retitle it because the, the working title is uh, Night of the Living Dead 90, a, a, a pictorial history. Oh, okay. And the, the reason <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it really looks great. I wrote it, and it's already written in half the book, has the layouts. No, mine's, different, mine's different enough. It's the version. I know, you, I, st- I, st- I, st- I, know, you I saw seen. yours. Yeah. I, I well, saw I, yours. I don't, mean to, I don't mean to crash in on this, but I just want to let you know that the name of my book it's not even nineteen ninety. A pictorial history and a remembrance of my experiences. 
that's that's very good to know. But, so, uh, all right, it'll just be anyway. easier. Who is not writing a Night of the Living Dead yeah. book? <laughs> the only thing, the thing is, I took about a thousand still photos during mm. the making of the movie, so I have plenty of stuff to illustrate it with. with. And you're all in it, and you all you're all featured prominently in the text and the and the photos, and I think you're going to like it. Well, I'd love I to. Wait. I can't wait. Can't I'd wait. love to see those. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Hey, are we? Are you, is, you, I'm sure you will. If we, especially if we ever have conventions again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is the public here now? Oh yeah. Yep. Great. Yep. Are they asking? Uh, Two hundred and thirty-five viewers at the moment. Are they wow. asking? Ooh. Are they asking us questions? Uh, they no. Can. Not yet. Not, not at the moment. We're, we're... There are some questions. I see. Mm -hmm. I see questions. So, um, what the, was there any particular anything in particular that led you to that farmhouse, or? I just love the layout. Uh, I just uh, we sent out a, a location scout. He brought back tons of photos, and uh, that that one. I lo I love the staircase going up, especially the view from above that Patty walks into, that Pat Logan falls into. It was perfect for what was planned. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was, was beautiful. It was a great house. Great location. The house was for sale. When we were shooting, the house was for sale for eighty uh, $125,000, oh. which, which, which included the 80 acres around it. Wow. Wow. Mm. Damn. Incredible. And, and I'd be okay with the Ku Klux Klan coming by every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Really? <laughs> I think I, 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 I don't. I don't know what ha what happened to Russ, but the Ku Klux Klan. Um, uh, Tony was married to a white woman, and the Ku Klux that is a Ku Klux Klan area. At least it was, mm -hmm. and he actually had to start uh, staying at Russ's house instead of. <laughs> on the location because he was getting he was getting a lot of uh, trouble. I never wow. knew that. Yeah, that's uh, funny. I didn't know that. It's terrible. Yeah. I guess I guess it was. I knew I knew it. The whole, well, Russ and I are such close hey, friends. But shouldn't I we? Knew it shouldn't we have had a Ku, Ku Klux Klan zombie? Because the zombies are from all walks of life. We had clowns. We had clowns and football players in Day of the Dead. Why not a Ku Klux Klan guy? Satisfy everybody, you know. <laughs> the makeup would have been easy. All you you would have been good. Bloody sheets. <laughs> Bloody yeah. holy sheets, that's it. Bloody, bloody <laughs> sheet, yeah. Yeah. And then if it came off, it would be a black guy. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like in Blazing Saddles? Exactly. Well, there, exactly. Yep. there is a documentary out now called Black Klansman. I don't know what it counts about. Wow. <laughs> Well, um, well, Bill and Patricia, you guys, you guys open up the film. Why don't you each talk about that scene a little bit and how, how it was, I imagine, uh, was most of that recorded, uh, like off screen, that, that conversation? Yeah. They were in the backseat of a car, right, Patty? Right. We were just sitting there and they, they did it. Uh, 
the, the sound guys were there and they just did it in the back. Wait a minute. They were in the back seat of the car and they did it. Whoa, hey, oh, hey. This is deteriorating fast. That's no time off. Why do you think we got into show business? Uh, I was just going to say how much I love working with Bill Mosley, but now it'll be taken wrong. But <laughs> actually, I think the day the day we actually shot in the in the uh, the graveyard was Earth Day, as I recall. Oh, good for you! Remember that? It was Earth Day. I, I remember Tommy. You you. You know, it's normally spring in Pittsburgh. I mean, you're going to get a lot of rain. Of course, we have a whole week of sunshine. And you're like, <gasps> but then you fl- loved how it, it sort of juxtaposed with the movie. And it's different from the original. It's this beautiful, sunshiny day. And then all these evil things start happening. Well, yeah, I, I still wish we would have opened in black and white. And about, uh, ti- about the time you get to the farmhouse, it would the color would start coming in. Mainly oh. as a homage to the first film. That's and right. here, here we are with a brand new one when mm-hmm. it turns to color, you know. It's kind of Wizard, like of Wizard of Oz. Pardon? What, what film? <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. When she goes into the house. Yeah, right. but except we weren't behind yeah. her. We weren't yeah. behind her going in. She came right at us, you know. You can say, Johnny, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I, I sense a new film uh, birthing. All right. Right now. Only one film critic understood the name on the house. Do you guys know the name on the house? Mary mm-hmm. Celeste. Celeste. M. Celeste. One, one critic of all the stuff they sent me, <laughs> stacks of it, picked up on that. Wasn't that was a book that the name? Is that the name? I don't the remember name? what the name was. M. Celeste. Mary Celeste? Yeah. Uh, the ship that was missing. Yeah, it was the you know the takeoff on the wreck of the Mary Celeste. Everett, what oh. did you what did you say? Wasn't that a John Woolwich idea? No, it was totally mine. I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but he picked now up everyone on it. can see what it was like. Yeah. Right here in this book, <laughs> the version you've never Wait. seen. Where's mm-hmm. my book, Billy? Do you have your book? Uh, I do not. <laughs> Patty, your book is great. Thank you. That's yeah, nice. I love, I love it. I read it in the bathroom, however. Is that? Well, it's fine. As long as you read it. I'm reading it. <laughs> Continuing on, Bill and Patty, what did you guys have in, was, was there improving with the scene and, and how was it like with the stunts? Because Patty, I know you're a stunt woman. Uh, so what, what was that like? Cause I know Tom talked in the audio commentary. He wanted a lot of physical contact and there was a lot of rubber body parts to be able to hit and bounce off. Walk through that. Cause that's a really gripping opening scene. Hmm. Uh, first you said, what was the first part of that? With, with, with you and you and Bill, your, your interactions was there. Oh, improv- did we, did we improvise a little bit? I think we just wanted to keep it natural, right? Bill it wasn't, we weren't. Yeah, I, I mean, we read it and we were doing it as written, but I think we kind of. Well, there was when we got out of the car. I mean, just as we rose from the car, there was, I, you know, they're coming to get you, Barbara. We had a long walk to uh, to our mother's gravestone. And that's when I threw out uh, their horny, Barbara. They've been dead a long time. <laughs> and uh, Tom liked it. And even even George liked it. So uh, it, it stayed in the movie. And um uh, it was pretty cut and dried until, uh, 
I, whatever happened to our our wonderful the first what what is the first guy's name again the white haired gentleman I'm, I'm sorry Pat, Pat yeah. <laughs> yes and then we we come across Pat uh, everything seemed to work out I, I don't remember anything physical except for getting behind the um, the uh, our mother's gravestone and and then just doing that uh, no mother and you know pulling my, and and pulling pulling myself down like my mother is you know pulling me into the grave. Yeah, and but later remember, on, but later on, didn't you were physically fighting with Greg Funk, weren't you? Well, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was no we we didn't train for that. <laughs> I just and and I, my head is still hurting from uh, you know getting hacked on the gravestone. You, su- you survived well, and Patty, you were <laughs> we had a rubber foot of you. That we kept hitting Greg in the face with, right? As oh, cool. But then, but, but then, Bill, you got stabbed. You got stabbed in the hand with the flower decoration. I, yeah, I hit him by right. accident. Oh, yeah, Greg oh, Funk. Yeah, I was trying to Greg. stab Greg in the yeah. in the spot we had fixed for that. Yes, and Billy's hand got up in it, and I. Sorry. Well, that's you know that's that show business. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, it was fun though. It was a good. That was a that was a fun scene. To, that to was shoot. a really fun scene, and I, I do remember. I do remember that that actually I did that. Oh no, mother! And I wasn't completely satisfied with it. And I remember we were already ra- you know moving on to another shot. And I asked Tom. I said, "Look, I, can I just do that one more time?" And and Tom, unlike any other director I've ever worked with, said, "Yeah." And so he. Gathered back the cameras and we did it and it really went well that, that time. I think that's the, 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 the take they, they put in the movie. Well, how come we use such a bad take? Cause we can see your elbow going <laughs> past the top of the gravestone. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I'm trying to fool anybody, but, <laughs> but thank you for that, Tom. I, I'm always, I'm always, you know, as an actor, I'm always in your debt for that. So thank you. Well, Patty, Patty, you did it too. Uh, you were doing the scene of the, uh, the skinny zombie in the window and you were shooting at him and saying your lines and we were moving on. You said, can, can I do another one? And it was the best of all the takes and that's what's in the film. Well, that's why we love working with you. I mean, yeah. I was saying you, you really trusted us as actors and you made us feel like rock stars. And so, well, you know, you, you brought the best out in everybody. Well, all I had to do was cast the best actors. Oh you know? my God. It didn't require a lot of directing. <laughs> See, that's why, that's why we love him. See, just right there, that stuff. Tom, I remember Tom being, I think Tom's still the most uh, hands-on director I've ever worked with. And I did quite a bit of stuff after that, after I moved out to LA. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, the, the question I, the question I get asked the most is how did you do the broken body lying on the ground? Hey, we dug a hole, and it was John who was down in the hole, right, Everett? No, nobody was in the hole. No, wasn't somebody down in the hole moving no, the no. legs? No. Uh, no? Okay. It was a rod. Yeah, we call it, yeah it was a rod from the back. Okay. Well, I remember but, you, uh, Everett, I remember hearing you say in some documentary that you didn't think that was going to work, but it worked, but you guys thought yeah. it was Beautiful, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. But when we, when we shot that, real quick story, when we, when we were shooting that one, Tony came out, with the crowbar and did the famous God damn you, God damn all of you. Yeah. Tom, Tom was lying on the ground right next to me. 
and watching to pull me out of the way so I wouldn't get a real crowbar through the head. So he's lying right next to me on the ground because you can see my head in the foreground. And he, he, when the camera goes up, he pulled me over and Tony did that take three or four times and spit all over both of us <laughs> every time. Remember that, Tom? Oh, yeah. yeah. When he got you, just spewing spit yeah. all over us. <laughs> <laughs> <Getting up. laughs> hey, Edward, Edward, wasn't it, wasn't it, wasn't it you guys' idea to make the zombies not have eyes to put those lenses yeah. Well, no, it, it, you, it, you wanted them to be dead, you know? It, it came from a comment you made early on where you said you wanted to have these dead eyes. And so John and I, were, were, we did these test makeups where we did those those lens caps that went over the eyelids. Mm-hmm. And we sent you videotapes of the test makeups, and I think you really liked it. Yeah, I think yeah. you hired us. Yeah. And well, I mean, that was the idea. The eyes are the window to the soul, and if there's no eyes, there's no soul, you know? Well, hey, Everett, isn't it true, Everett, that you and John were the first – well, I, I think – did you guys start designing the makeups on computer, and you were one of the first guys to do that? Yeah, we, we had an Amiga 500 with one megabyte of RAM. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, we did some early uh, zombie uh, – like concepts where we'd scan actors from a book called Heads, the very famous book, Black and White uh, Photography. That's a, that's a great book. That's it's a great a, book. We scanned that book early on, uh, and we did uh, makeup designs in deluxe paint on the Amiga. And and I remember showing it to Tom. I remember George Romero just blew his mind that, it, that this technology was even possible. <laughs> and now look, look at today, after all mm. these years, it's you know it's all digital now. You can make chimpanzees talk. I had yeah. no I, I had no idea you were using that book. That's one of my favorite books because it's nothing but pictures of bald men. Yeah. And it and it shows how unnecessary hair is because yeah. their faces exactly. became their faces became so much more interesting. And that's where we got the idea that you know we noticed when flesh decomposes, uh, the cartilage does not. So that's why we made big ears and bigger noses on the faces to shrink the faces down. So because the ears don't shrink when you decompose, they stay the same size because cartilage doesn't decompose like normal flesh. Interesting, very interesting. Mm. Weirdo. I'm, t- I'm taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Weirdo. in that in that vein, in that vein of thought, I hate it in movies when somebody, some actor, is supposed to play dead. And they, they just, they pose like they want to look pretty, okay? <laughs> the jaw, the muscles don't work anymore. Even the jaw muscles. The jaw is always slack and the eyes are open. It takes a muscle contraction to close the eyes. So when someone dies, the eyes, there's no muscles, so the eyes are open. Anyway, that was, you know, some people, some actors do play death very well and do exactly that. Um, I'm seeing a lot of questions in the comments about an, is the potential for an unrated director's cut? Does such a thing even exist? That's a Jack question. I mean, I don't, they don't, they're not even paying attention to this film anymore. They, you know, they just gave it up. They, no, I keep at conventions and so on. There are a lot of people that tell, keep telling me how much they like the film. But my, you know, there were a lot of problems 
including getting hit by the remnants of a tornado when we were trying to finish the movie. But, and, but they cut all they cut all exit wounds, you know. And uh, well, the reason is, I was in charge of getting the R rating, and if we didn't get an R rating, Columbia would have turned the picture down. And Russ and George and I were signed to a $5 million bond, which we would have been on a knot for, which was sort of secondary to us because the first thing was make sure we get the R, make sure Columbia does take the picture because they were going to buy it from – 21st century owed Columbia a whole bunch of money. And I don't know all the inner workings of that, but the MPAA, a lot of people don't realize this. They just tell you, well, you got an X, but they do tell you what has to go or change in order to get the rating you want. And so you have to go by their deadline, by their, by their suggestion, not suggestions. They're damn well, you better do it. And especially we started shooting this picture in June and it had to be on 2000 and some screens in October. So you're talking about four months to do this whole thing, and there's no time to argue. You better just get it done, and all these prints have to be pulled and everything. All that stuff has to happen. So, Jack, what was our what was the budget of that film? It was close. It was uh, four and a half million. Okay, I heard rumors but, that we only used two and a half. No, that's not true. Okay, because there I was a lot used- of there was a lot of above the line money, which uh, uh, substantial monies went, well, you got paid about as much as Russ and I did, but we made sure we got paid up front because we had too much experience with I know whatever, you went, whatever you don't get up front, you just never see you because went, they'll you just cheat you out of it. You went and sat in their offices, you and Russ, and demanded that you said you weren't leaving until they paid you. Well, that, yeah, that was Russ's uh, uh, that, let's see, I lost my train of thought here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the um, well, I asked you that last. Rest, time. last we time were we were we went to uh, we went to L.A. for the Horror Hall of Fame thing, and uh, right before the picture came out, and so we didn't think the Horror Hall of Fame was going to be much at all, and it turned out to be a major event, first class all the way. But Russ said. Why don't we tell 21st century that if they don't give us our final payment, we're going to trash them in every interview that we do. And so we went there. Mark Fisher was there. Menachem Golan was not. We also had found out along the way that they had a $250,000 slush fund that was always there in the office. So Russ said, let's just threaten them. And I didn't think it would work. I thought, no way are we going to walk out of there with that money. But I said, let's give it a shot. And, uh, you know, I'll be the bad, you be the bad cop and I'll be the good cop. So we went there and we did it and I'll be damned. We walked out with the money. Wow. So, but, but yeah, we could have used the budget, the- you know, Menachem Golan, some of you are old enough to remember when Variety, the Variety Can Film Festival issue came out, there would be maybe 15 or 20 full-page ads for 21st century movies. And they had great casts and great artwork and all that stuff. 
I used to be impressed by that until I found out during the making of of our remake that Golan would advertise all these pictures and whichever ones got bought by enough foreign countries to finance them, those pictures got made and the rest didn't. But out of every picture, Golan took $500,000 for himself. Not for his company. They got another 500000 well, that's so Gola, Michael. Golan got rich every time he made a movie. That's where the money went. So, so you answered my so question. A lot, of, a lot of the money went there. The money that we all got paid was reasonable and was, you know, in line with industry standards. But they just, well, that's what happened. It remember, was about four and a half million. Do you if remember you added everything up? Do you remember our accountant? He's the zombie with the hypodermic needle in his arm. I don't recall. Oh, was that Richard? That's Richard Zaffrey. Okay, yes. He called me. He called yeah. me and said, he called me and said that Canon had no intention of paying me my last check. It was about 25 grand. Well, yeah. George couldn't go on the publicity tour for the film. He was doing the, writing the dark half. So they asked me to do it. And of course, I got my check FedEx the next morning. You know, <laughs> agreeing to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I have to say, spell, how Mark, Mark, my name right? What bill? What? What bill? How come they didn't spell my name right in the credits? I had no idea. Are you serious? Is that true? Yeah. You are kidding. You missed, you missed one of the E's. Oh, well, it wasn't the first me. E. Somebody <laughs> missed the E's. Yeah. I wasn't in charge of credits. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it. We're going to blame that on Russ. It's <laughs> <laughs> not great. <laughs> Any other questions? Uh, interesting questions from the group. That was interesting. But there's no no word on uh, any extra materials or any. Uh, I'll, I'll tell it's you. All about. here. It's all here. <laughs> <laughs> all the stuff that was cut is in this book. That's true. Very well, true. whenever the tornadoes hit down in Florida, and we were. <laughs> running out of film and running out of money and they were threatening to, you know, just scrap the production and all that stuff. And I was trying to get the most out of the last couple of days of shooting, which most of my job was make trying to get the money to come in. But I, but I was coming up with some ideas that we could do real quick and might, my, the audience might get a kick out of it. But so I was the one that came up with the idea of having a, Zombie with the with the IV needle hanging out of him, oh. and I'd go to I'd go to Everett and John and say, "Hey, can you guys rig up an IV zombie?" And oh yeah, we can do that. These guys are so great, you know they they're so enthusiastic about everything. So then I said, I said to George, "You were busy directing," so I said to George, uh, "Why, you know, in the first movie, Marilyn Eastman." Ate, a, ate an insect off the tree. That was Marilyn in a different, you know, in a different makeup. I said, why don't we have somebody eat a mouse? He said, go see if you can get it done. So I, I go to Everett and John, can you guys make a mouse? Yeah, we can make a mouse. But it was a real so mouse. At one, of, at one of the, I'm sorry. Spoiler. But it was a real mouse. Cheaper. That's cheaper. <laughs> well, at one of the conventions, they had a bunch of Night of the Living Dead people there, and I was next to Richard Ritchie, my table, and we we were talking about those days, and Richard 
you have to realize Richard's pretty spacey. Unfortunately, he died of food poisoning recently. But but he's so spacey, we get a kick out of Yeah, I'm sorry if you didn't know. Richard Richie. Food poisoning? Yeah, I think oysters. It was only a couple months ago. Wow. But anyway, he's he's he said (laughs) he said yeah, it was a really, really felt funny to have that furry thing in my mouth. I, I said, you're lucky we didn't cram a gerbil up your ass. And that didn't kill him? Everybody was cracking up over this. So, oh, so oh, I said, so I said I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know what you can hear, what you can hear. That's what I said. So oh, I think it, I think it was at uh, oh, the Man Monster Convention in Charlotte. So anyway, cut it out if you want. I don't care. But any, so I said I'm going to go see if George if George if George has a line. If he doesn't have a line in front of him, I'm going to tell him what I just said. Because George would always say, Jack, Jack, tell me a joke. Tell me something funny. Coincidentally, so having I, a, fur, a furry thing in your mouth is how I got my part. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I went out. There's a picture of it. Here's my book. I can't yeah. hear everything. So, well, I, look, I want to. Wait a minute. You remember that? Huh? I, I shot most of the headshots on the zombies were me with a blowgun shooting them with candy glass wads. You know, I forgot about that. I did kind of know that. blowgun that Tom shot me in the ass with. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. I said, I said, we're not going to blow gun anybody until you do it to me first. I okay? don't like And he, and that guy, he made the thickest glass ball of glass and filled it with blood. So I took the first hit and I had a welt on my head for days. Because <laughs> he made it, he made it too thick. So that's when we said, you know, to make him thinner, of course. And that's right. All those head hits were blowguns. And Everett, Everett was climbing a ladder in the workshop. And I saw a big wallet in the back of his pocket. And I thought I would blow. Yes, yes, yes. It was on monkey shines. And I thought, <laughs> I was, I'm going to shoot him in the wallet with this. It was a, it was a needle. It was an arrow. It was a sharp, and it went, be- <laughs> it went between his legs into his balls. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Anyway, let me finish this thing. So, so I went out and George didn't have a lie. Mm-hmm. So I sat with him behind his table and I told him this and I could see how frail he was. And, and, and he did get a big kick out of it. He laughed like hell. Cause I mean, we, with Richard, we go way back, you know, and, and then he told, that's when George told me that he said they found things in my lungs and I have to have a CAT scan and a biopsy. And so that was in March of 2017. So that's, we knew then that 
you know, he was in serious trouble with his health, and he 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 lived about four months more after that. That I still think about him a lot. Um, <laughs> I had a question. Hi, William. Um, with you playing uh, Barbara as such a you know a, a much stronger character in the remake, what what was some of your uh, I don't know? Did you have any inspiration for the role? Maybe some of Zagorny Weaver or some of the previous uh, women who had kind of played tough roles. No, I'm I'm badass. <laughs> I've always been kind of a tomboy, and uh, um, and Tommy knew this. He, he was in school with me. He saw what I did, so he he knew me, and he just said, "This just do your just do you." <laughs> Basically, well, Patty also did stunts for me on Tales from the Dark Side before I gave her uh, a lead role in one of them. But uh, but she was a stunt. When I first met her, she was kicking the shit out of her boyfriend in a movement class. You know. <laughs> Tasso, she was, she was she was smattering him all over the place. You know, it was yeah, tough, so. it was tough to make her the prissy little school teacher because I know how tough she is. It, it's a uh, I of course admire Sigourney Weaver. I still admire Sigourney Weaver. Or or you know I've got a lot of heroines like that who I, women I look up to. But um, well, yeah, I got to be. I got to be Barbara the way I felt Barbara was. Yeah, yeah and then then we ch- that's that Sigourney Weaver is the reason we changed Barbara's character because I went to George and I said, "Can't she come back and help these people?" He thought she was dead. I said, "No, we just see Johnny in the original carry her away. We never see her killed." So George wrote the Sigourney Weaver ending that Patty did. Oh, okay, cool. I was really lucky. Originally, it was like the it was like the original film. Barbara was a brain dead twit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to be the 1990s woman as opposed to the 19. We wanted a we wanted a woman hero. Yeah, and, no, Russ, it was- and Russ couldn't play it, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's I why call, they brought in Bill Mosley. I want to call attention to the Russ has entered the room. Yay. Hey, Bill. I, I remember, I do remember that um, I had come up with a great idea for, uh, for, for Johnny's demise. And what I wanted to do was to have Barbara um, standing in, inside the farmhouse. I wanted Johnny to come in, now dead, like a zombie, coming and coming toward her. And Barbara looking at me going, Johnny, and just, you know, not able to do anything because it was her brother. And uh, I'm getting closer to her. And then Tony Todd comes in and just nonchalantly uh, lops off my head with a machete. And my head goes rolling and Barbara goes, you know, goes, Johnny. And you see my eyes look up kind of like uh, when they were chopping off heads in Louis the 14th or whatever. That there maybe there was that one moment of humanity as my head is rolling. And I said that to Tom and he said, you know, we don't have the budget for that. <laughs> We're going to throw your dummy in the back of the truck. <laughs> we didn't have the we didn't have the budget to bring you back, which is why your dummy was in the truck. <laughs> hey, Billy, I wanted to to ask you. You kind of play the middleman between you know Tony Todd and Tom Tolles. Talk, talk about talk about your role as as Tom in the film because I really do enjoy that that role in the remake. You're on mute. 
Oh, there you go. That's better. Uh, say that. I'm sorry. Say that again. I was panicking. <laughs> I was muted. I wanted. I wanted you to talk about your role as Tom because you play the go-between between two very strong main characters with Tom Tolles and Tony Todd. Talk about that because that's always been an interest of mine for the film. Well, uh, as a person who was on the front lines. There were many moments while we were filming where I was pretty sure they were actually really going to kick each other's asses because they were so in character. Mm-hmm. So acting uh, acting like a go-between wasn't an issue at all because uh, because I sort of was. And, um, you know, they were just such both strong actors and, and certainly strong personalities that they, they couldn't have found better people to play either one of those roles, uh, minus Bill Mosley, of course, playing Cooper. But... Uh, Sorry, man. Uh, but uh, yeah, they were uh, they were great, and uh, I, I just I just the chemistry between the two of them they, from the moment they met, they I always felt like they were kind of butting heads to begin with. So uh, I didn't know there wasn't a lot of acting in my regard. I just kind of felt I was completely intimidated by uh, Tony because I worked with him first, and he was such a good actor. And uh, you know, as I've said before, I was such a huge fan of Tom's. And then Volich had gotten me this audition, and I don't know if I said this before, but uh, you know, I was working on uh, Young Guns 2 with uh, Vigo Mortensen, and Volich called me and said, uh, Savini is, will look at a video of you reading. So again, they mailed, snail mailed me a script, and uh, Vigo actually uh, taped and uh, directed my audition. So when I found out that... Uh, that I got it. I was just so happy and just so insanely excited to be in working with Tom and being a member. I, of I, I cast him simply from that videotape because he was sincere and believable and low key, you know, and it was perfect. Just Thank you. videotape. Yeah. But I had no I mean, idea that Vigo, wasn't he your roommate yeah. or something? Yeah. We lived in this, we lived in the same house and, uh, he went to go do Young Guns 2, and he's like, hey, I think I can get you in this movie. Like, come out here, because it was in the middle of nowhere. I think it's New Mexico. And so I went out there to go look after his son, and the next thing I knew, I was in a part of the film. And then Volich and I were uh, on the phone, and he was so excited about, you know, this film unfolding. And um, I was just so – I remember I, I had a VHS tape of my uh, – of the last couple of films that I was in. And I, I know they sent that to you. So then based on that, it was okay for me to read. And yeah, Vigo, Vigo, uh, directed my, uh, my, uh, my audition, which is Excellent. very funny. Yeah. He's doing well, as you might imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so anyone's curious. He's moved on to other things, bigger things. <laughs> Anything never, we would have seen? Never no. Chainsaw no. 3. No. <laughs> yeah. Three. Yeah. You, you and, yeah, Billy, Billy and Vigo, yeah. you ended up in Chainsaw 3 together. Yeah. 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 That was kind of a thing where uh, the guy dropped out like a couple weeks before we started filming, and Vigo was helping me uh, learn my lines, and and I was like, oh my gosh, this act, one of the main actors dropped out. He's like, who is it? He's like, I'll do it. And by that time, he was getting kind of famous, and so I called Annette Benson, the casting <laughs> director, and she's like, Vigo Mortensen's not going to be in this movie. And I was like, I, I live with him, and he said he would. And the next thing I know, he was in it, and and a, and a much and a much bigger deal than I was in the film. So I kind of like was like, oh fuck, you got credit before me, you know? Son of a bitch. I've never forgiven him. No, I'm kidding. He was, he was so excellent in Appaloosa with Ed Harris. Have you seen yeah. that western? One of the best westerns ever. Yeah. He's, he's just such a great guy. Yeah. Hey Russ, I want to welcome you, you know, back. Uh, um, the road here in Pittsburgh. 
It looks like you have a better connection now, Russ. I wanted to let you. Uh, I do. Chime I was in. able to get my uh, problems worked out. I kept getting shoved backstage. Me too. Me too. Excellent. Yeah. Um, we uh, had asked earlier about uh, the potential for maybe uncut or, or an unedited version, uh, or if do any materials like that exist? Do you have a? Uh, any information well, the, footage, on that the, the footage was in the release of the film in the supplementary material. There was like a minute and a half of stuff in that 20 minute documentary. The exit wounds, the bill blowing up, yeah. the zombie's head that he kicked, all that was in uh, the documentary, but never in the film. So I think that's what you're asking. Is there ever a chance that that's going to be put back in? Well, who knows? Some enterprising young money maker might think of it, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that topic, uh, Tom, uh, I'm in the uh, in the midst of moving from one section of my house to another section of my house. And uh, we have uh, discovered and uncovered all of the behind the scenes footage that we shot. Oh, wow. And uh, it's Whoa. there's volumes. Oh, of- I know. You gave me copies of all those. There's incredible stuff in there. And uh, so one of these days we'll have to sit down and talk about what to do with all of that. Uh, 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 Chris Starvakis is uh, helping me get it off of uh, the original source material and into a digital format. Wasn't the source material mini DVs? No, high eight. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> Because <laughs> I have I have it on mini DVs. We must have transferred it at some point. So I do have it on. Aren't the aren't those digital? Those little. No, okay. it's, uh, okay. it's uh, all oxide. Oh, yeah. uh, but the tra- <clears throat> the transfers are going beautifully, and there's a friend in the UK who has offered uh, to do a full restoration on all that footage. Wow! Wow! So we'll have to see what happens with that. So maybe Brian, maybe putting it in the film, you mean? Putting it in the no 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 no. First of all, just to look at it. Yeah 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 yeah. And then determining whether, uh, uh, you know, if we can sort out all the rights and all that business, then what potentially can become of it? Hey Russ, while you were dealing with the technical issues, Jack was telling a story about Golan withholding some funds or, or not paying. Can, can you kind of uh, expand on that a bit? We were waiting for you to come back. Well, um, any t- I don't know if he's even still alive. Anytime you deal with a guy by the name of Menachem Golan, <laughs> you know, you're in for some bit of a ride. And, I looked him up. He, he, he died a few years ago. Good. So he's not listening yet. <laughs> Uh, it was in our contract. I think uh, Tom was protected by the uh, Directors Guild, but in George's, John Russo's, and my contract, they could withhold 10% of our fees. They, being 21st century, could withhold 10% of our fees until we delivered uh, an acceptable answer print, which we did. Um, and uh, so you say, okay, well, now here's the amp- amp- print. Where's our 10%? 
And it was, it was one thing after another. Well, it's this, it's that, it's another thing. John and I happened to be in Los Angeles, uh, for, uh, we, there was a rehearsal of the, the, the show where, um, night, the original Night of the Living Dead was, uh, entered, inducted into the Horror Hall of Fame. After the rehearsal, we had some free time and I said to Jack, how about if we drive over to 21st century and get our money? And he thought, well, that's a, that's a fool's errand, but we might as well give it a try. And I told him before we went in, I said, you are going to see a Russ Striner that you've maybe never seen before. You're going to see a complete asshole. <laughs> So uh, we drive over, and back in those days, we had uh, uh, keeping track of things a, a book called a Day Runner, and I marked down the name of two friends who uh, were uh, reporters at Daily Variety and um, um, Hollywood Paul Reporter, uh, 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 Daily Variety, and I forget what the other one was, a trade paper. And uh, we go in, and the 21st century offices uh, looked like someone was about to make a quick get out of town. Boxes were packed up and stacked in hallways. It was clear that they were uh, on their way out of town. So we went into the uh, office of the guy. Wait, Rush, didn't they have armed machine gun carrying guards outside? What's that? Didn't they have machine gun carrying guards outside? If they did, I didn't see okay. them. They also, I, I did uh, Buried Alive for them in South Africa, and that was the first office that I had ever been to where you had to walk through several uh, metal detectors just to get into the office. And this is uh, they way did back. have that, but, but this was, they were clearly on their way out of town. I mean, they, mm. they were going out of business, period. And the only leverage that we had, uh, were the trade papers and the fact that we knew that they were trying to engineer a deal with Columbia Pictures. 21st Century had their own money into the production of uh, Night 90, and they de if, if anything happened to the deal, to queer the deal with Columbia, it would have been absolute curtains for them. It was curtains for them anyway, even with the deal. Um, so we went into Jack. What was the name of the attorney? Uh, uh, the, the guy we were dealing with. Well, the Mark Fisher was the Mark, one we Mark dealt Fisher. with. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mark is still around, and he's still doing business, and I guess he's good and healthy. Went into Mark Fisher's office, and I said, "We want our. Uh, are we allowed to swear in this broadcast? Yes. yes. But yeah." As long as, as long as you don't say anything about gerbils. <laughs> and Mark said, well, wait a second. Uh, uh, that's all being taken care of. Don't worry about it. We can't give it to you today. Menachem is in Manhattan. He's at the Waldorf Astoria. I don't give a fuck where he is. We are not leaving until we have Russo's check, my check, and George's check, period. If you call the security people, we will rat you out, 
to the the trade papers, and we will quit. We will do our best to queer your your deal with Columbia, because you guys are doing to us what the original Walter Reed guys did to us. So here we are, thirty years later, and you're doing the same thing. And they hemmed and hawed and hemmed and hawed. We sat there, and guess what? We ended up walking out with all of the checks, including George's. And if, uh, I said, if these checks bounce, it's the same deal. We will do everything we can to queer the Columbia deal. And uh, it, it turns out that the checks didn't bounce. Other, other than that kind of goofy, strong-arm tactic, which was very unlike we guys from Pittsburgh ever engaged in, um, we would have never gotten that money. Um, I had a question about, you know, just generally, and I could throw it out to anybody. Um, how, how close was George involved with the project as a whole? Um, and I understand he had other things going on at the time, but as far as presence on set. Um, he was there the first few days. Um, but he had, you know, he had a commitment. He had to go write the dark half. He had a deadline. Right, dark back. Half, yeah. And then he came back. He came back the last uh, two or three, four days and helped us combine shots and get it done uh, on time. Um, so, but he would, I, I wish he had been there the whole time because, you know, we, you know, we have a special onset relationship from when I was doing effects for him, you know. And it was kind of there at the beginning when he was there the first few days, but uh, but he wasn't he wasn't there. People called him on the phone all the time. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that. I feel pretty lucky because he was there. I got to talk to him the day, uh, a yeah, couple yeah. days that I was shooting, and I was only there for a couple days. So we must have shot you in the beginning or the end. Or the I, end. One or the other. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember when. When we did I, the, I think it was. I think it was in the beginning. I did. Was it? Was it? <laughs> Pat? Yeah. I, I think, think it was. Good. I think it was real early. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Real early. And George was supposed to. Uh, we agreed that somebody from the original should show up just as a, a tip of the hat. Uh. uh to the original film and since the sheriff's part was such a small part that George should play the sheriff and he agreed to Um, as it turned out the day of filming he got cold feet and said no I don't want to do it you do it Mm. and that's how I ended up being the sheriff in the remake (laughs) (laughs) and I sent somebody all the way to Pittsburgh to my house to get the eye patch the out eye of my patch. desk drawer for the, you to wear. <laughs> the eye patch. A cowboy hat and the eye patch was my wardrobe signature. Yeah. But we, got, but we also had Bill Cardill from the Bill Cardill, yeah. Right, yeah. So as the camera pans off of uh, uh, Pat Tallman going, having gone through her dreadful night, uh, waking up in the Jeep, and the camera pans off of her, uh, slowly onto me and Bill Cardill, and I'm saying, "Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up." And, and, that, was, and that was it. But that was supposed to have been George. 
And and kind of touching on that, you know, Tom, you worked with George obviously for for many years before, and it's it's very famous that he never gave anybody directions in terms of how to be a zombie. What was your approach with the zombies? Not just the look, but the acting. Did you give Dirk any sort of direction <laughs> or? Well, we hired a movement instructor from Carnegie Mellon University. He played the autopsy zombie whose clothes be, are pulled down. He's got the scar on his chest. So he was giving them. My idea was if you're a zombie, uh, if, the, if your body was on a fence and you suddenly came back to life, you wouldn't know how to use a human body. That's what mm-hmm. I said to him. So he gave them. It just got hysterical, the shit they were doing. So <laughs> we, just, we just said, walk slow. <laughs> One of the amazing things was when there was – uh, the extras call went out for uh, for zombies for the Night of the Living Dead remake. The the, the casting office, uh, the temporary casting office, was absolutely flooded with people. People were driving right. from Kentucky to be zombies. <laughs> sure, just impossible number of people. Gay and Wilson, okay. Really, Gay and Wilson, yeah. And uh, Don Blockett and Skip Inspector, the two writers. Right, right, right. Yeah. I was, I was in a, I was in a diner having breakfast, and I saw this skinny, emaciated guy, kind of looked like Pat Reese, you know. (laughs) And I walked over to him and asked him if he would be a zombie in the movie. It was Mr. Magruder, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I told the story earlier, Tom, of of you calling me. And uh, my dad's secretary telling me that Tom Savini was on the phone. And I said, bullshit, there's no way Tom Savini's on the phone. Because <laughs> Nick had showed, Nick, 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 Nicky had showed you those yeah. short, short films that yeah. we had done. Yeah. 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 That was fun. I have something. I have a videotape of you. It's called Dogfight or something. Are you aware of a, it's a fight scene with? You. Oh, it was just called fight. It's oh, okay. just me and me and Mark Burson who came over for the shoot too. We crashed on Nikki's floor, just kicking the shit out of each other okay. all over the city of Columbus. Yeah, is that what is that what they showed me about? That was probably one of the ones. Yeah, I'm sure that's one of the ones that Nikki showed you. Yeah, because yeah. we were making that stuff when we were working with him. Yeah, it's one of the few VHS tapes I still have. You know, you still have it. Oh wow, that's awesome. I, ha- I have In Search of the Castaways on VHS. Really good. A Disney movie. <laughs> I love it. Um, Patricia, can you talk a little bit about working with some of the, the characters, the redneck characters? We've had quite a few mentions of the uh, the Jupiter's Balls line. <laughs> oh, those guys, I love them. I wish I could remember their names right off the top of it. But they are really good actors. Pittsburgh actors are really good. And Are just you, just great to work with, yeah. What what about uh, Patty? What about at lunch when you had to eat with uh, the zombies? Yeah, that uh, I was already I had already had a tummy problem, so I show up on the set and Tommy's like, "Patty, you're supposed to be one of the living." <laughs> I was really skinny, and I I tell you what, lunch was a chore because all of these zombies, we all just ate together, you know, and they all had that makeup on and they, they smelled bad because of the makeup stuff. And I, Oh, it was awful. It was horrendous. Didn't the, 
didn't the skinny skeletal guy in the window that came in that you shot, didn't he follow you around? He followed me around. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. What the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> this, is a, this is a cab driver that I had one day. You know. And originally, that, that skinny guy in the window was going to be their mother. She was actually on the set. We shot her. With a funny hat and the flowers. Sure. The, re the reason her face is on the tombstone is so that you would remember that funny hat with the flower. So when uh, a woman appears at the window and and they're telling Barbara to shoot it, she can't because she sees her as her mother. And we shot the mother in the window. But the actress, the waitress, who was the real woman at the window that, that Patty thinks is her mother, we shot her from behind when when she shoots her a head wound and then she falls backwards with her face in the camera it was perfect but she didn't, but she didn't get up she was knocked out because the squib guys the squib moved away from the metal plate and exploded and gave her a concussion oh so, and she fell backwards perfectly into the camera it was a storyboarded shot but i think the producers oh. one of them said we can't use her because what if there's some legal action with her getting hurt so i brought the taxi driver in and that whole scene is gone but it's in here the whole scene is in this book you gotta hold it up higher tom you can't see my picture on it hold it hold it higher there you go right there there i am there i am hey tom is that available on amazon yeah, it is. Where would I find this? Yeah, I bought it. Amazon. I bought, I bought it on Amazon. Text me your yeah. address. Text me your address. All right. How about Patty? Do you? Have, I gave it to you, Patty, in English. Yeah, I, I have think. it. Yeah. I'm texting it right it's now. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so great. It is. It is. I remember all those up on the wall. All those. So, sketches. Tom, it's on. It, do you? If you want to text it to me, I can. I'll. I'll put it in the chat so that everybody can see it. You want to text me that? Uh, oh, I can look it up on Amazon. You said it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Yeah, we're we're putting in the in the chat some of the. Oh, links you're doing to get it. Your, yeah, to get your guys' books. So, and I think you guys have been making a couple of sales during the show. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah Pat, Pat, Pat's selling some books over here. <laughs> Bill, your book. Bill, your book is about what your your life. Uh, yeah, it's about, uh, it's about 500 pages. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's about, uh, me moving to LA when I was 17, somehow ending up in all these movies, working for, uh, growing up with Vulich and, uh, living in Rome, working for Empire Pictures and then transitioning into acting and acting for a long time and then eventually jumping, <laughs> jumping ship on acting. And, uh, writing and directing and just like r pretty, pretty raw, ugly truth in regards to myself. Uh, you know, it's, I, I don't really bash anyone else in it, but, uh, it just, it, it's turned out okay. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone, if they haven't, they're going to send it to you because I was hoping that if you liked it, you would give me a quote for my book. Send it. I would be so happy to give you a quote. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. You want it right now? Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I remember if you were, if you were on the uh, broadcast, I think it was freezing, but, you know, John and I were such huge fans of yours from the time that we were about 15 or 16 years old. And uh, 
I remember uh, he, I was with him when he mailed a bunch of Polaroids to you of some stuff that he had done. And you called him and I went over to his house one day and he was talking on the phone, like white as a ghost. And I was like, who's that? He's like, that was Tom Savini. I'm like, no fucking way. He's like, dude, Tom Savini liked my work. It was like, I wrote all about it. It's all in the book. He looked like he looked like he was 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah. we were, we were really young. I yeah. still have those pictures. Didn't I show them to you? Like, uh, I think you did. I yeah, think you I did. Yeah. To the, to the wake. Yeah. Yeah. And then for John to end up working on, uh, Friday the 13th, what is it? Four, part four, part uh, four. with, with you. <laughs> and then he kept telling me, like, just come here, like, you know, cause the video market was booming. And there was work everywhere in L.A. And he's like, dude, even if you're a PA, you'll be able to get a job. And he was right. I, I, you know, After a brief stint of living in my car when I moved there, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, uh, I ended up you know, coordinating at John Beekler's and then studying with Stella Adler, uh, the Stella Adler on Hollywood Boulevard. And, and then somehow fucking flim-flamming my way into the acting business. It, it, it happened. And... Uh, but we were such huge fans of yours, and I, 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 you could have tipped me over when I, when I was accepted by you. But even when I met you, I was scared to death because I, you know, because I, I have this, because I have this face. I know. No, no, no. You, you know, just, you know, it's in, it's in, it's in my book. But it's like I'm like, so, how, so how is he? You know, I'm talking on the phone. He's like, he's really cool. Chicks totally dig him, but like you'll be standing there working, and then all of a sudden, like a Bowie knife will just stick in the wall. Like I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, he's doing stunts all the time. He's like, he's doing stunts all the time, and like jumping around the. I'm like, oh my god, he sounds crazy. He's like, yeah, but crazy in a really good way. Yeah. Or shooting blow darts in Everett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, yeah. And, and uh, my, anyway, what? it's because of John that I'm in a lot, a lot of this. One of my one of my favorite highlights of of when I was living in L.A. was in about '95. We went to a a Fango conference, those or the big conventions, the big Fangoria conventions. I don't know if they still have them, but it was huge. And uh, walked in with a buddy of mine I'd gone to college with, who was a huge Night of the Living fan, Dead fan, and a woman I had met on a music video that I've been working on on sort of a date and we walk in and we go out into the main hall and you know, it's loud and this, these things are huge. You guys have been to these things. They're huge. And suddenly you hear Dark! Dark! and everybody just stops and starts looking around and way down at the end at one of the premier booths, big long booths is like, Barely see him is Tom going like this, yelling my name all the way across the room. And we go down. He goes, Hey, good to see you. Um, well, you're think, a famous zombie. Yeah. You're one of the famous <laughs> zombies. But that totally made my, I will never forget that, made that day and made that date go very well, by the oh, way. Oh, good, good. But good, the good, other, good. the other thing, the other thing too is that Tom said, Oh, the, this, the kid wants to meet you. And he had some young guy in a, in a black leather jacket introduced me to Slade Stallone. Sage. Sage, Sage Stallone. Sage yeah. Stallone. Yeah. yeah, he was a big fan. He, like, always, <laughs> he always hung around us at conventions. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> hey, Bill Mosley, and I, <laughs> we got Bill and Billy, and I want to make sure I get the right Bill in here. Um, you know, you, you obviously have played some of the most quotable horror movie characters ever. I mean, I don't think a day goes by that someone's not throwing a quote of yours up online. 
what was it, you know, we, we didn't get into it. We have the original Johnny and the, and the new Johnny in here. What was it like for you taking that role? I mean, expand on that if you can. Well, again, it, it's, uh, you know, Russ basically broke the mold. So it was for me, it was just uh, trying to honor the parts. And uh, again, as I, I mentioned before about um, it seemed to me it came down to being able to do the Boris Karloff. And as I mentioned before, you know, I, I studied Die Monster Die, so I could get that um, uh, that accent down. And then uh, playing with Patty was so much fun because uh, she was, even though she is, you know, a, a kick-ass um, actor in person, you know, she played that, that mousy uh, sister so well that it was a lot of fun to uh, tease her. And, uh, you know, and what... What came out was, you know, especially that, that ad lib line of, um, uh, they're horny. They've been dead a long time. Uh, it just kind of came trippingly off the tongue just to kind of tease her more. Um, so, um, you know, and, and I guess it's, it's, it's up to Russ to decide. <laughs> I remember, I remember actually being in a, uh, in a, uh, like as a Fangoria convention or, some kind of maybe chiller theater or something. And, and being in the same room with Russ was a little intimidating because he kept saying, no, no, that's the real Johnny over there and pointing at me. And I was like, oh, uh, but, uh, it was a lot, of, it was a lot of fun to play that character. And, uh, you know, certainly Russ, you know, is Johnny and I'm just kind of, uh, you know, warming the seat. Well, you did. Well, when I, found, well. when I have a question for you, this was, um, uh, just, not too many months before the whole COVID thing hit, mm. someone asked me at a show about uh, some big argument that you and I were in, some big dispute. And I said, that's absolute nonsense. Uh, there's no dispute that I'm aware of. Do you know how such a thing got started? I didn't know there was a dispute either. Um, and what was it? Was it a real Johnny or something? I don't even know that it had anything to do with the character. And I said, that's just absolute nonsense. Bill Mosley yeah. and I, um, um, get along just fine and there's no dissension that I'm aware of. No. Dueling Johnnies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, those, those fans, those, those, those tricky fans, man, they like to, you know, like to foment some stuff, but. We're gonna no, have to have a, a Johnny off. Yeah. yeah. Johnny off. More Johnnies than you Long overdue. Like 30 years overdue. <laughs> Cage fight. Well, I think there's something about, uh, there's things that a lot of people aren't aware of as far as what happened to the picture when it came out. Uh, we were number five in variety in the nation, which isn't bad, but it was a bad week for movies. No, there wasn't even the number one movie underperformed by a long shot. And then, so Russ and I were investigating how did this happen? Um, Columbia had done uh, their audience surveys and so on, and they were on cloud nine because the picture had uh, 90-some percent name recognition. Well, that's not unusual. Everybody knows the Night of the Living Dead. Of course, it's going to have high name rec recognition. Uh, but what it, what it boiled down to is they were 
I, part of the reason was that 21st century owed them a whole bunch of money, which I don't know if they ever collected. And the other uh, thing, they decided that this picture had such name recognition that they didn't really need to advertise it, spend a lot of money advertising it. So in a lot of the markets, they, they pulled the advertising. And it turned out that in the markets where they, where they went all the way with the advertisement, advertising like they would with any other picture, we were averaging five to seven thousand dollars a screen. On the, in the theaters where they pulled the advertising, we were only averaging about twelve hundred dollars a screen. So that's the whole story of, as to why that's basic story why you know the picture didn't go through the roof. Yeah, right. one of us, well, it's you know also one of the hazards of dealing with a with a big studio that when uh, you know the the marketing department decides, oh well, ninety uh, uh, some percent name recognition. Uh, let's scale back some of the paid advertising. What what they were counting on. They were counting on Entertainment Tonight and the, the various uh, programs that showed up uh, on set to uh, film features, uh, you know, oh, the remake of Night of the Living Dead. They became uh, so accustomed to counting on that and scaling back the advertising that they had to pay for. Uh, they ended up actually shooting themselves in the foot pretty badly. Do you know how much money the, the movie made? I don't. I have, no, I haven't kept up with that. And, and it's hard, you know, like the original Night of the Living Dead, people ask us how much did that make? And you hear the figure of $50 million. Well, we certainly never saw it. We were cheated out of almost every penny. So, which was one of the motivations for doing the remake to try to get the shareholders some, you know, some money. Uh, and ourselves, if it had been successful. My own opinion is, and can't prove it, you know, uh, I think if the first movie never existed, that this remake had come out on its own with no previous history, I think it would have been a big success. And I think it's that good and people like it a hell of a lot. So, and it seems to be one of these things, uh, judging by Reactions I get at conventions and so on. It seems to do to age well, you know. I mean, yeah. not all pictures do. I, I had occasion, Russ and I both, with some of our film students a few years ago. I was really impressed with Blood Simple, for example, when I first saw it. Yep. I don't think it holds up very well now. You know, I think it's I still kind of love lame. It. I still love it. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good question to ask to uh, both John and Russ, and that is, um, which version do you guys prefer? Because a lot of fans that I've talked to, you know, they have their preference. It's either, you know, the original or, the, you know, the, the uh -huh. 90 version. Um, I guess I'll, I'll always, well, I don't, I don't, you know, people always ask me with my books and films, you know, what's your favorite? And I said, that's a kid's question, yeah, you know, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite lollipop? I don't get into that very much uh, i i don't I, they're just different they're just different <laughs> i th like, i think they both yeah. stand on their own and i i agree yeah. with uh john uh that if it were not for the original 
Um, I I think the uh, I, I think the remake, uh, the second Night of the Living Dead, would have been held in very very high esteem. I really do. Yeah. The fans love it. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, yeah, and I get more and more favor favorable comments about it at conventions. Another thing is like Return of the Living Dead. Some people, yeah. that's their favorite one, you know. Mm-hmm. Most There's people the- probably like the original Night of the Living Dead the best, but a lot of people just absolutely love Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a really robust and active Night of the Living Dead 1990 only fan web page that or uh, Facebook page that um, Tom is in sometimes. Yeah. I've seen it. I I, yeah, I, I didn't know I didn't know how robust it might. No, be. it's great. I have a, a guy named Jonas Barbosa. Jonas, mm-hmm. I just said yeah, your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Runs it. Yeah, yeah, no, he's a really really good guy. He's down in Brazil, and there are people all from all over the world in there. John, you should check it out. Yeah, he, he's guys, the keeper of the flame on that. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys remember there was a front, there was a front page spread in Wall Street Journal? Yes, sir. I just want to see you. This is Misty. Uh oh, I'm going to kill you. And if it wasn't for Misty, I wouldn't be on this show because I, I would have been totally flummoxed with trying to set it up. I love you, Misty. Misty. Thank Misty, you, Misty. Lived, wait, Misty was nine years old. And lived right down the road from us when we were, when we were filming. She lived right down the, and she used to come as a little girl and watch us shooting. <laughs> we did. Uh, we sat on the road right up above the farmhouse and watched. Awesome. <laughs> wow. Awesome. <laughs> and Steve loves the movie. She loves the remake. You guys, pro- you guys probably have a copy, Tom and, and, and Russ, John. Remember Wall Street oh, Journal? Yeah. In the making of front page. Oh yeah, um, I I, I used it. I have a lot of that stuff still. Yeah, I yeah, have a co- I have a copy of that because the image is one of those weird. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a picture of me lying on the ground on the wow. cover of the. Wall I, I didn't Journal. remember that, but wow. Yeah. I, I really yeah. the uh, the unit publicist that that twenty first century sent in. Her name was Joyce Wagner. She was very very good, and I mean. She, she got us when she first came on location. She asked me, uh, "What? Where do you think I'm going to go first to start the publicity campaign?" And I don't remember what I said. Maybe one of the networks, or who knows? She said Wall Street Journal. She said, "If I get Wall Street Journal, everybody will tumble." Mm-hmm. And she was exactly right. We got that major spread in the yeah. in the Wall Street Journal, and we were everywhere, yeah. which is part of the reason why <laughs> Columbia. Drop the advertising. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, unintended consequences, and this business right. is full of unintended consequences. That's that's for sure. It, 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 yeah. Except for the intended consequence of ripping you off every which way. <laughs> that's what, what, about the, uh, what about the limited the limited release of the Blu-ray? I, I never got. Those, but uh, wasn't there like only three thousand of them released, or there was something? Yeah, yeah only three thousand. What was up with that? I have but no a, idea. But a, but a new one, but a new one has come out from Australia, uh, which is uh, many more. The original release was three thousand, yeah, but now there's a big release, and it's Australian, and it looks fantastic. Blu-ray. 
And listen, I gotta my, tell you, my address. Tell you, what? 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 Give him my address. Oh, like, hey, I'll take one. <laughs> one of the one of George Romero's favorite books was Jack Russo's book called Dealey Plaza. You know, involving the Kennedy assassination. Oh. And I and, and I'm a huge Kennedy assassination. I haven't read it, Jack, yet, but I'm it's on it's I'm ready to go. It's on top of well, Patty's book, which I read in the bathroom. I was gonna ask you because a long time ago you you contacted me and told me you were gonna read it. Right. But anyway, right. it is not about the assassination. Oh no, no, not, I, I, but it takes you know, place. It's about people, college friends who go to do a reenactment of the assassination oh, because yeah. they're conspiracy buffs. And on the way home, uh, one of the women is raped. Don't tell me. Don't tell me anymore. Don't say anymore. This will not ruin it for you. But the impact of these murders follows these characters through their whole lives for 40 years. And, the, and, and, and it's really about... It, it, Tom Brokaw's quote about uh, America was changed forever when those shots rang out in Dallas. That's what this book is about. This epidemic of violence and rage and everything else that's going on in this country, how it got started and how it spread it and mustered. That's <coughs> the theme of the book. Wow. Hey, hey John, I, I recreated the whole Kennedy assassination for the Umbrella Academy season two. In Dealey Plaza, I directed all that stuff. You and, did. Uh, it was wow. absolutely amazing uh, to be huh. there in Dealey Plaza and and recreating that whole assassination was phenomenal. I was uh, blown oh, away. You just, did you, you just reminded me. You just did reminded you? me of something that involves you and John. I mean, it, you didn't know it, but I was in L.A. and I was being courted by Joe Wolf, who you know, ended up putting up some money for another piece of shit movie. Children uh, of the Living Dead. Children of the Living Dead. It was, again, I was supposed to direct and it's supposed to be my script and it turned out to be his daughter's script and just a piece of shit. I hate it. But he drops me <laughs> off at this motel. I walk in the door and I turn the TV on and there's you and John. And like, you were doing a thing where you created a Bigfoot. And you were explaining how you had the, the the bones underneath the muscles moving and lifelike way and all that stuff. And I was like, that's John, that's Everett. <laughs> I watched I watched the whole thing. So Everett, when I, you by were the in- way, I I spent uh, Rob Lucas's house uh, just shortly before John died. Uh, we spent an evening with him and watched movies at Rob's house and so on and so on. He was doing so well with, you know, working for Disney and all that stuff. And next thing you know, he's gone. I know. Yeah. Sad. What are we going to say, Tom? When you were in Dilly Plaza, did you did you incorporate the grassy hill, the grassy knoll in grassy what you were hill? doing? Everything. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a Dropbox link, Tom, to all I'd the love to stuff that I did. It's actually a, a phenomenal uh, amount of work that we did. Back there to recreate okay. Dilly Plaza in the 1960s was was uh you know it's very somber to be there it's a very mm-hmm. very uh uh it's it's not a fun place to hang out at you just get the vibe that it just not uh not uh, really um 
you know, you don't want to celebrate it. You want to respect it. But uh, we really did, you know, we had a great time shooting there, but it was incredibly complicated. Dealey Plaza, the most busy intersection of all of Dallas. So shooting there was a, a massive challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd love to. Please don't forget. I'd love to see that. I'll send you the link. Okay. I have a, a listener question that came in. It kind of ties into a question that we were answering recently. But did anybody happen to watch the remake uh, Night 90 with George? And what was his opinion on the film? Uh, I can only tell you, and I put this in my book because I was, you know, telling all these kinds of things. He actually thought that Columbia was going to reject the movie until we were at my office, and that's where the editing was taking place on Market Square. And Dubinsky and his team, who were they were amazing. That we used to joke they would have the picture edited before it was done filming. That's how fast they were and, and so good. So we we saw the edit, which was based pretty much a final edit cut to Jerry Goldsmith music and as a scratch track, you know. And at the end of that, George George said, Well Jack well Jack was right. We we did enough. We did enough. They're going to accept the movie and it's good. That was that's the only remark I know of from George. I didn't see him much after that for a while. He was on all the Tom and Declan and George, and they were all on Dark Half. Yeah, what's up with Declan anyway? Uh, has anyone heard from him for a while? Don't say that. Well, name. You know, don't say that. Right? Name, my Sorry. Don't Declan say that. Name. The, Declan is one of the big shots at Netflix. You're kidding. Is he? You're kidding. If he walked in this room, I would strangle the life out of him. <laughs> My two cents. <laughs> he was constantly lying. on at Netflix, I have no idea, but he's a he's a big shot. I, I couldn't uh, believe it when I heard it. Tom, I have, a, I have an overall deal with Netflix. I've never heard his name, just so you know. Okay, good. Let's keep that name out of any printed material or conversations. <laughs> I did. I did refer to him in this, though. <laughs> without, without saying his name, I called him the sleazy scumbag producer, and I said, "I don't mean Russ Dreiner or Chris Romero or Jack Russo. I'm just not going to name him." Right. I, I actually got along okay with him through the through the shooting of the movie. I I haven't seen him since then. He was a lying scumbag. That may be true, but I just have no experience of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I did. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the funny things, uh, the a small world-ish uh, thing, is that the original Night of the Living Dead of the uh, of the studios who screened the picture, Columbia, of all people, had the answer print for two weeks. And George was getting more and more uh, excited about the fact that Columbia might pick it up. Uh, well, in the long run, they turned it down. Uh, they, t- they, the reason that they told us, which I don't believe for a second, is that it was because it was in black and white. Uh, I, I think that they just didn't 
know what to do with it. Uh, uh, back in those days in 1968. Uh, but it's weird that they ended up being, being the owner of the remake. Mm-hmm. And the, the greatest story ever is when we saw the print at Columbia with Bullich, myself, Tom, George, when the credits rolled up and the Columbia logo came on, Tom stood up and said, it's the lady with the torch. <laughs> that's, that's what George George called me at my house. Uh, like, yeah, I mean, I was at my mother's house, and we were having dinner, and George was on the phone. That's the first thing he said. He said, Russo, it's going to be the lady with the torch. And I had to think for a minute, what the hell does he mean? But he was really excited. That's funny. Well, it's a major studio. Major oh, studio. No, you were so, like, we were, like, kind of in shock that we even were in the room. And then when you said Lady of the Torch, the first thing I thought was Three Stooges. <laughs> That's true. Those are Columbia's, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I kind of want to jump in and get everyone's final thoughts. I mean, it's been 30 years. I mean, it's Night of the Living Dead. It's one of the absolutely most iconic films, you know, in the horror genre from George's to yours, Tom. Um, and here we are, 30 years, and we're still talking about it. What's everyone's, you know, final thoughts on, on where we stand after 30 years? Well, we're still here. <laughs> part of the, uh, the remake is, uh, or Night of the Living Dead Part 2, is, uh, to me, a part of the original legacy. And it's just, it's very, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, uh, it fits into the legacy as much as uh, anything I've been involved with. And I'm so pleased to have met uh, all of the people who participated and helped uh, make it to be successful and something that you could actually be proud to put your name on. Well, um, I was going to do the effects on the original Night of the Living Dead. George said, quote, I can use you on this gig, okay? But I had enlisted in the Army on the hold program. They called me, and I was in Vietnam when George shot the movie. For, so for me, it's coming full circle. And that's what kept me going on the remake, was having come full circle from almost doing the effects on it to directing the damn thing, you know? So it's very important to me. It's very important uh, to have that attached to my name. Awesome. And I think one of the big things people don't realize the challenge Tom had. I mean, look at it this way. Tom was trying to repaint the Mona Lisa with <laughs> standing behind his back. Yeah. It was really, what a task. And, and hats off to you, brother. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. I agree. Thank you, Edward. Yeah. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. I'm so glad yeah. to hear that from you. That's yeah, true. You. I mean, it, to see Tom really be put to the test uh, on set was not always easy because there was so much pressure from an expectation from such an amazing classic. And and it is true that all these storyboards and all this stuff were just fucking mind-blowing and cool. And uh, it was such a pleasure to uh, work with Tom and the cast and uh, Jack and Russ and and certainly to meet George himself. Uh, it is, like I said, the last time we got together, uh, being involved in a project of this magnitude is the gift that keeps on giving because, you know, yes. 
Yes. We seem to, we seem to have a lot of anniversaries, and I'm very grateful for it. So. <laughs> but, uh, uh, it's always nice to know that, uh, you know, that this film was so well received by so, so many people. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm so proud, so hugely proud to be a part of it. And all the people we passed here to see. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. I got to say that it was just uh, really a lot of fun to uh, continue my relationship with Tom Savini, which again started with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And um, really a great pleasure to uh, to work with Tom. I, I keep beating the drum like, why isn't he directing like a lot more stuff? Because it's a lot of fun to work with him. Uh, Night of the Living Dead meant so much to me. As a you know human, um, and certainly as a horror fan, you know that and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I really consider the two seminal movies that got me excited about the genre. And uh, you know, to be a part of it, uh, you know, uh, albeit in the color version, um, was a, a great honor for me. And uh, you know, and again, something that I'll, I'll always appreciate. Yeah. I think uh, well, for one thing. Not all that many movies have reunions at all, do they? Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. You're kind of the good rare, Some of the good rare, ones do, yeah. Yeah, a rarefied company just to have these different conventions want to want to throw reunions in this particular program and so on. So I think that proves something. Well, also we're we're more living than dead, so that helps. <laughs> it does help if you stay alive. <laughs> yeah. I can't well, believe. Yeah. I can't believe it's been thirty years. I mean, it was just really serendipitous that I got to be anywhere near it, and uh, it's still one of the highlights of my life. And I've done some pretty interesting and crazy and fun stuff, but I'll never, never, for, never forget it. While I've got, while we've got. Uh, Everett, and he can't run away yet. Everett, can you tell us if there's... I'm really picky about my TV. I only watch a couple. But can you tell us when we might expect the next season of UA? Yeah, I I leave for Toronto uh, January 5th, uh, and we start shooting February 8th. Okay. It'll take, uh, my guess, February... March, April of 2022, it'll be out. It takes us a long time. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. I just, it, I l- absolutely love that show. Thank you. Um, and I, and it just gives me even a bigger thrill to know that you're involved. No, I'm at, it, it, Netflix has been really great to me. I'm honored. Uh, but the show that we're developing now, which I can't say, uh, is going to, it's, to me, it's the, the gift from the movie God. So I'm really happy. And I want to really? talk. Mr. Savini, I need to talk to you about it. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm sending you my email right now. <laughs> All right. I'm sending you the palace link right now. And, okay. and Patty? And Bill, I got yours. Okay. I got your, I got your address here. Yeah. Bring, bring me along to Toronto, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're all networking now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Patty, after 30 years, Night of wow. the Living Dead, what, what's it mean to you? What do you What are you feeling? It's It's so big. I, it's It's um. It started my career really because I had small stuff going on, but um. And to work with Tommy to 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 
make friends with these wonderful guys that 30 years later, I feel like are brothers and be a part of Romero history. I, I, I mean, it's too big. I don't even know where to start with all that. But really, I have been so blessed in the films and, and the projects that I've gotten to do. And most of it, it has to have been kicked off by Night Living Dead. I did a movie with John Landis. And one night he said, hey, I saw your movie, your Night of the Living Dead. Great girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Too bad he never cast me anything. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, and, and I just want to say in terms of the, the Garf Network shows and, and the shows Eric and I have done, this has been the absolute biggest response to a show we have had yet. Mm-hmm. Over, oh, over, over 1,100 comments. And, and engagement, you guys had something going on in 1990 that is still effective and loved today. So I want you guys to all know that and take mm-hmm. it up with you through the holidays that you guys have touched a lot of fans with this film in many ways. So please be proud of yourselves. And, and I, know that- I just want to add, Matt, that because I think you're exactly right. And that and all of these these lovely people are out there talking to fans. I think that's huge. Because there's a lot of cast, a lot of actors that aren't as interactive with their fans. John and Russ have led the charge. Tom has been everywhere talking to Mm -hmm. everyone. Billy and Bill. um, Ev, I don't know. I haven't seen you too much out there, but you've been working, actually. So good for you. (laughs) But, you know, so I I think there's something about the fact that, that, that we love our fans. You know, yeah, we very love, much. And they love, love you guys. Amen to the fans. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you all. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Thank you guys. The remodeling crew that is working on uh, remodeling my house have made me promise that once everything is done and done to my satisfaction, that we're going to have a screening of both Night of the Living Deads here uh, <laughs> so they can Ooh. all uh, get a firsthand uh, commentary about it. Wow. wow, that's cool. Oh, Russ, that's very cool. Nice. Very cool. All right. On behalf of the George A. Romero Foundation, I want to thank all of you for being with us and remind everyone I've got the link at the bottom of the screen. If you haven't already, to please check out our Patreon page and consider becoming a member. And thank you, everybody, for showing up. It's been amazing. Uh, thank you. We'll Thanks see you again. Everyone. In maybe we'll see you again Bye. in five years. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you.